Welcome to Telegeography Explains the Internet, the show that explores the business behind all of the ways humans stay connected around the world. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and my guest today is Ross Flynn, who is project manager at the Mobile Ecosystem Forum. As we've gone through a couple of times on the show, there are two MEFs out there, the uh, organization formerly known as the Metro Ethernet Forum and the Mobile Ecosystem Forum. So I'm going to say MEF in the intro here and sometimes in the show, and that's the MEF that I mean in this case. But back to our guest. Uh, Ross is a bit of an unusual guest for the show, but when I came across his work at the MEF, I thought it could be really useful to think about from the telecom perspective on this show. So Ross comes from the advertising industry where he worked with programmatic advertising, which I will leave it to him to properly define in the interview in a couple of moments. And he eventually ended up at the Mobile Ecosystem Forum to work with these advertising issues on the mobile carrier side. Uh, So Ross really helped me, and by extension, I hope you, the listener, understand how ads are targeted to consumers in the smart device era and how that might impact and benefit service providers, hence the work that he is doing at MEF uh, working on these with mobile carriers. So I really found this interview informative, both per my usual role as a telecom analyst but also as a media consumer to really better understand how modern targeted advertising is actually working behind the scenes. So I think you will enjoy. Welcome to the show, Ross. Hey, how's it going, man? How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. This is um, a little bit of a different show for me in in the sense that uh, usually I know at least like enough to make me dangerous about a topic. This is one where where I really know nothing at all. But when we were doing our sort of like intro call for this, I thought it was really interesting stuff. So I'm really excited to to hear what's going on. But first, uh, Ross, I always ask guests to just kind of give a brief background on themselves and and um, you know how you got to be program manager at uh, MEF. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. So, um, so I'm Irish, if you couldn't tell already. So <laughs> that's fine that I'm going to have to talk a lot because we like to talk a lot. So that's good. Uh, so originally out of college, I was working for a something, uh, I, I guess you'd call it a sort of an ad vendor ad agency. It was kind of a little bit ambiguous as to what we were. But essentially, uh, we had access to smart TV data mm-hmm. uh, from, from some of the uh, directly from some of the OEM. So we had like LG and Vizio. Uh, the company was Irish, uh, run by a very nice man called Ronan. Uh, shout outs to him. But uh, we we mostly worked in the US and uh, we, we got the TV data directly from 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 these companies in the US. Mm-hmm. And Essentially, it was it was it was a pretty cool product. Uh, so, in in every smart TV in the US, uh, there's a little chip called uh, ACR or automated automated content recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and originally, that chip actually had a uh, I think it came from like Shazam, like that was the technology that they used to make it. Was sort of recognizing an audio, you know, like a snippet and, and matching it to a song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they added sort of the visual element to it and basically put it in smart TVs uh, as a way of recognizing what people are watching. Mm. Um, 
so we we use that that uh, data to sort of inform our ad buying our digital ad buying engine right. so like, there's a, a lot of cool use cases so like the way it would work is let's say we're doing an ad or we're doing a campaign for coca-cola they would send us uh, a, a snippet of their upcoming um of their upcoming commercial and then we could see who actually we could sort of ingest that in our system, and then we could see who actually uh, watched that um, on, on any TV channel or anything. Um, so you, it, you could you could kind of think of some nifty uses for it. And essentially, anyway, once we recognized, okay, this this IP address, it, it was sort of like at an IP level. Right. Um, the smart TV was was basically like just think of it as like a mobile device connected right. to an IP right. uh, and then we could sort of we had a sort of cr uh, a, a cross device graph it's called which basically um, you know we can see the other devices connected to that uh, modem so then we can say okay this person saw a coke ad let's send them coke ads on their mm. phone on their tablet so or it explains it everybody who's experienced this this is one part of that formula right yeah exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're watching yeah <laughs> But uh, yeah, so and and it it was it was really cool because uh, th there's a million uses because it was literally anything that we ingested we would recognize on the screen. So one of my favorite jobs back in in that job was uh, I used to we worked with some video game uh, companies for for their ad campaigns, and basically we could uh, tell the video game companies who's playing their games. Right. Um, but it's still the same basic thing where we have to fingerprint a clip. So it's right. it's more difficult in a video game because if you, right, think of you have to pick a segment that everybody plays essentially exactly. right? that, yeah. that's the thing about video games is that anyone can go to different levels i mean there's a million different angles right you can look at one level in so we would look for like kind of a universal clip like you know like a cutscene. Mm -hmm. i don't know if you're a gamer or not mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes they play like a little movie yeah. or something like that yeah and that's the, that's what we're looking for right so i literally have to go in on the playstation we had like a playstation and play these games <laughs> and the and scenes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was really hard work <laughs> yeah that's really funny i got as an analyst I, I have to wonder why did the oem uh, uh companies give these data to you what what's their that's a great thing? question that's a great question so they they got some kickback from us so we mm, we, we worked directly to the agencies so we mostly worked with entertainment clients mm -hmm. uh, because there's sort of an obvious uh we can obviously prove out the value of our ad campaign because not only can we see who watched your show before the campaign but we can also see who tuned in be directly because of our campaign which is right. pretty neat but so anyway the way the nature of it was so they were represented by the agencies uh the ad agency so and then we worked directly with the the agencies as well by selling being a vendor of this data basically and it was sort of like what's called a managed service campaign so mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get into that later i guess when we talk about programmatic advertising but right. since it was sort of white glove we handled everything uh, and obviously we get more of a margin based on that and then based on what we sell the amount we sell we we kick a per certain percentage of that to the oems right um, but one of the challenges of that and one of the ch challenges in in sort of the programmatic advertising industry in general is that data is getting more and more hard to come by, whether by uh, privacy concerns, you right. know, or, or the, the sort of deprecation of the, the third party cookie, which we'll, again, we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. But anyway, basically, the OEM started to basically realize the value of the the data they had. Right. So more and more of them were taking it in house and they had, you know, they had obviously they had their own ad guys as well selling the exact same stuff. So they're like, let's just keep it all uh, in house. Um, gotcha. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So then how did that bring you to, to the mobile ecosystem forum? So yeah, I met uh, James Williams, my current boss. And yeah, so essentially, the, so the mobile ecosystem forum, in case anyone doesn't know, we're a global not-for-profit trade body. We've been around for 20 plus years, started by a fellow, fellow called Andrew Budd, who's our, our chairman. And essentially, we're a not-for-profit trade body that uh, sort of champions our brands. We're sort of like a marketing, the mark, we're sort of like an extension of our brand's mar- marketing arms, you know what I mean? Um, and we also act as sort of a neutral platform for telcos and, and operators and all that to have a, have a neutral discussion. You know, we have like online working groups or, or events in which people can can talk on panels and all that good stuff. Um, so anyway, I met the, the James, my current boss there, and they are kind of, the, at the moment, a lot of our members are messaging companies. So about mm-hmm. two thirds of members of MEF are, are messaging. And um, what they're trying to, I guess, kind of bring the advertising guys in, the, the, the MVAS guys in, you know. So I, I, I could have came over to help those guys come in and also, you know, be a moderator for these guys, be, be a, a sort of someone they can talk to, essentially. Right. Um, but originally, actually, we were the mobile entertainment forum. And ah, we're, okay, we're, that, that, that ties it together with this topic a little bit, I think. That's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it, it, um, it, it originally we were focused on ringtones and callback tones. Uh, Crazy Frog was a, you know, I don't know if you, <laughs> if you have Crazy Frog, but that was a big sort of, uh, that sort of started it all. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're trying to make it more like the mobile entertainment form now, I guess. Yeah, and I should say, um, listeners of the show, I, I did an episode with Dario Betty, who's the CEO of MEF, um, Oh, a while ago, explained all the other kind of things that 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 uh, the the group is working on. So, if you want a deeper background, then you can go check out that episode. But uh, we're focused here on on programmatic advertising. So, yeah. so Ross, um, this was a new term uh, for me w- when I ran into your stuff, um, and uh, uh, I thought that's always a great place to start. Just what is programmatic advertising? Yeah, and I assume a lot of your listeners maybe. Probably aren't familiar with the yeah, term as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So our listeners are from mostly, you know, the networks kind of telco world. So again, this intersects what we're doing, but is not something they're thinking about day to day for sure. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm primarily from that world, but I've been in MEF now for over a year, so I can th- I think I can kind of explain it for the the telco oriented yeah. moment. Um, but essentially, what it is is sort of like the the digital advertising strategy it's it's sort of like a number of things in in working in unison but it's essentially the the way digital advertising works today it, it's sort of a, an automated uh, buying of advertising uh, space and placing of ads through software and algorithms mm. uh, it's algorithm algorithmically driven uh, but it offers uh, a lot of control um, you know, in, in, ter- in terms of w- what you're doing in real time. So essentially the way it works, so every time you open up a browser, open up a browser and you go to a website, you, you'll see like a digital ad. Right. Uh, for that digital ad to get onto that that place, was there was a, a, an auction basically that takes place. It's, it's mm-hmm. called real-time bidding. And there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of different 
people trying to buy that ad space. And the second you, it's loading, this is happening. It, it happens over like, you know, microseconds. Interesting. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I had no idea. I mean, I know you, you pull something up and you know that, that you're seeing something that is related to, to what you're interested in, but I had no idea how it, it was happening in the background. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And that's, that's a great point as well is that it's personalized, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, the way it works, so there's something called a, a DSP or a demand side platform, and I can go on that and I can run my all my campaigns on that, and I can buy what's called inventory. Inventory is just like where that ad will appear, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it could be a video ad, it could be a display ad, which is just a, a static image that you see, like a, a banner or something like that. Um, and yeah, so I will go onto my DSP and I will start, I, I will say, okay, I want to buy display ads at. Uh, you know, I don't know, one dollar seventy-five cents per C, uh, CPM, which is per thousand ads served. So every time I serve a, th- a thousand ads, I pay seventy-five cents. Um, and when I do that, it's it's automatically bidding with all this inventory. Like you know, of it, you know, it's it's just incomprehensible the amount of inventory out there and stuff right. like that. But I but the, what you said was a great point because you can also personalize it so you can apply layers of targeting so i can say for, for example to cover brand safety i don't want to appear on any naughty sites or anything like right. that yeah. so i'll say keep yeah. it under 16 no right. gambling no porn whatever mm-hmm. uh, and then i can also put in filters to avoid fraud so there's a there's a bunch of fraudulence in, in this in this market on the open yeah. market there's like and, and you know, big big companies, all size companies, are are doing some some rather bad things mm-hmm. every now and then. Like for example, one one example would be that they can serve an ad off the page, so you're not even seeing the ad, but technically it's being served, so someone's paying for it. Ah, interesting. And, yeah. and it's a very simple trick, but yeah. you'd be surprised it it, it works sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I can apply anyway a filter, another filter of um for fraud and then which is the the really interesting stuff which the marketers really love is i can say okay this person watched this show this person is interested in this sort of thing and this person is this age this demo you name it and that that's where like the marketers really start salivating because it's like that's a really granular level data at scale Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's really addicting addictive uh for marketers and uh, as i mentioned before data is getting harder and harder to good, good data is getting harder and harder to find for various reasons as we'll get into um so they're like it's like it's like crack for them it's like drugs right. they, they need right. that that, that uh, at scale granularity so yeah. it's a challenge at the moment and, and we'll get into that later but that's that's essentially how it works Did, does that make sense to you? Uh, yeah, yeah, that absolutely does make sense. And, and like I said, it kind of explains some of, of your experience as a as a consumer. Um, now, you said like when you're in a browser, I, I assume this is basically just any internet connected device, essentially. Is that it? Yes. So the way it works, so it, it works in, in browsers. Um, so obviously pop-up ads. Also, that's called in-app advertising, which is so like app developers can... It, Put, put spaces for advertising within their apps as well. Right. Um, but it, it all it all works in the same thing. So if I'm on my DSP, I'm saying, okay, I want to target this many, or I, I want to put this much money towards people on their phones with display ads, this many, uh, this much money for people on their tablets, uh, browser. 
Uh, and then there, there's another ad format called CTV, which is basically those ads you see on like Netflix and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a more premium type of inventory, but th- those are the basic types that, that people will be buying. Interesting. Okay. And yeah. so, so th- th- that being the case, I'm, I'm kind of curious then how that gets into the sort of um, concerns of, of your constituents at MAF, right? Like the mobile mm-hmm. providers themselves. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that there's. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways it can tie into them. Uh, for one, they should be using it to promote their services, right? Like the, right, the, the, right, right. So as as just advertisers like any other corporation, right? Exactly. Yeah, because it, it's really good. Uh, obviously, there's this sort of like analytics you get afterwards about how well your campaign performed and all that good stuff. But I think there's other ways that uh, telcos can 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 sort of utilize essentially. Uh, for one, telcos own like so much data. They right. they are sitting on like probably one of the most like a gold mine essentially of mm-hmm. data. I mean, they got like location data. You know, they got they got what, what people are buying and and on all this stuff. So I think they need to and and there's sort of a growing awareness of it. They, I think they've been very slow to sort of monetize this data, right. obviously in a privacy driven way. Uh, but for example, so there was a recent joint venture uh, ad venture which was uh, uh, founded by Deutsche Telekom, Orange, uh, Telefonica, and uh, Vodafone. It, w- it was over here in, in Europe. They applied for like approval for it, um, it, it for the EU, and it was approved. Um, and they all get like a 25% stake in this. I, To be honest, I don't know the full details, if, if they're sure. available, of how, how it will work. But essentially, they're, they're going to be monetizing their data uh, for, for advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think it, 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 I was surprised at how quickly it was approved by the EU. Yeah, yeah usually they're they're pretty strict about that. I mean, we we don't have GDPR, and it's you know yeah. we we think of ourselves over here as more the wild west of that sort of thing. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, what what Europe is the leader in like regulation, which is either right. a good thing or a bad thing right. in their mind. But there's a lot of bureaucracy, but uh, I was surprised at how quickly they approved it, and I think it was because there's sort of a growing awareness of uh, the power that these these big tech companies have like Google mm-hmm. and Facebook and i think anti mm-hmm. you know re- regulatory people are are very keen to to even the playing field a little so bit so it's a balancing so, of the monopolistic kind of power of of who has your data and is storing it and is it, is it is it crazy to say that in a sense that like as as a consumer with with a digital life across all your apps and that's that all those data are going somewhere on a, a server in a data center and and there's a sort of advertising dossier on on each of us basically um i wouldn't it's not like quite as sinister as that i guess right. it depends I, you you have like the amazon people they have your amazon data the facebook right. people they have your facebook data so it's more like broken out and i think that's that's one point i was trying to make as well as that um it, it as sort of like the privacy concerns are growing and there's more and more regulation and as the the, the you know so the the mobile the browser cookie uh, are, are you aware of this like a third party browser cookie yeah sure but go go ahead definitely explain it a little bit in case anybody wants to to be up to speed on what you're saying you know yeah so essentially uh, you know third browser uh, cookie like every every time you you go on a website uh, it asks you in, in the in Europe anyway it asks you if yeah, yeah we get we get that for for almost yeah, all yeah. sites yeah it's just like a little sort of a identifier as it's called mm-hmm. and it says this person has has been to this site and uh, advertisers can can use that to 
you know, to, right. to market to you better, uh, essentially. Um, so it's going away. It, 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 had a, it was supposed to be gone, I think, like this year, but there was a, a sort of stay of execution. So I think it's going to be around for another year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, as I said, like marketers are very addicted to that, to that sort of granularity and right. being able to target like the individual. So uh, as that goes away, um, there's going to be, pe- people are going to have to depend more on uh, data, like sort of de- consented data. So like what, right. party data as it's called. So mm-hmm. you, you have uh, a relationship with a, a company and you consent to get to letting them use their data. Mm-hmm. That's going to be like really, really valuable. I mean, it's, it's already really, really valuable, but it, there's uh, less of it than third party data, which is like the cookies and stuff like right. that. Right. And, uh, but that's going away. So it's going to be even more valuable. Um, well, is yeah. there a sense in which that's almost like, you know, more powerful for the advertisers? Because if I intentionally opt into something, I'm much more likely to actually pull the trigger and be a consumer of that. Right. So, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like, to be honest, I think opting in is good. Like you get better, uh, mm-hmm. you get more personalized com- ads and stuff like that. I mean, people are a little bit paranoid about it and I get that, but, uh, like if you, if you actually want to be served, uh, personalized products that are, are actually you're interested in, then you should absolutely consent. You know, that, that is the thing about it, right? It's a, there is a, there is a sense in which like, yeah, there's, there's something, um, you, you don't want to feel like, there's this information about you that you're unaware of and, and have no control over. But there is another side of that coin, which is that uh, very often I have been introduced to products in a particular niche that I was totally on would in, in the you know pre-internet world never would have been able to find in a million years because I wouldn't have happened across them in a store or whatever that I like. Right. There is, you know, some aspect of, of connecting consumers with things that they actually want and or need that they, they wouldn't have had an easy time finding in, in just exactly. a, a regular, you know, brick and mortar. Exactly. I think that, but I'm also glad that consumers are getting more control, I yeah, guess. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you, you want to have, you, you want to feel like you've had some uh, agency in this certainly. Yeah. You know? And and actually, just another thing on on why telcos should be aware. Yeah, uh, I think that telcos should learn a lesson from these big tech companies about uh, personalized advertising because mm. I've noticed that a lot of the big operators, a lot of big telcos, like they're they're trying to sell you stuff, and some of the stuff I get they're trying to sell me is just so not relevant to me at all. Like right. I get ads from them about like. This is like mo- like a value add stuff and 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 uh, upsell stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But like some of it is like for like diapers. I don't have right. any kids. Or anything right. like that. Right. I mean, so yeah. like they're they're sitting on so much data. They should be able to deliver really relevant and personalized advertising messages. So I think they need to copy what uh, what what the big tech are doing, so they can set upsell better, cross sell better. You know, mm-hmm. g- give you more value added services and all that stuff. And then again, from from the sense of okay, so so you've been in the telecom world for, for like a year now. Um, I've I've been in telecom for seventeen years, and across those seventeen years, one of one of the main themes has always been this difficulty with the fact that providing uh, wires or towers, right, uh, and, and antennas in in the case of most of the the MEF kind of people um, is something like a commodity market, right? It is, mm-hmm. it is a pipe, right? Over which data flows, right? And one of the, the key challenges of the industry has always been, how do we not be a commodity 
whose price is always going down because transmission rates are always going up. And it strikes me that this is like another way to to move away from the commoditization of telecom services into sort of additional margin, additional ways to to make having built out that infrastructure worthwhile. Is, is that something that sort of um, is on the minds of, of your members? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, particularly for the operators, they're, they're trying to diversify their their, um, you know, their what their profit more than ever now uh, with, mm. with these different ways. And it, I think they kind of realize that big tech have been using like their 4G and 5G to make a lot of money. And they're kind of starting to want to get a piece of that pie. Yeah, um, the, the, these are the lamentations I've heard from providers across, you know, not just mobile, of course, but, you know, sort of internet, uh, broadband, that sort of thing of like, oh, you know, yeah. th this is the age old fight of, of um, you know, you're using my pipes to, to make all the money and, and um, exactly. this infrastructure. So it sounds like this is a, a good opportunity to even that playing field, as it were. Perhaps. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, excellent. So, um, I think I think that sort of covers the 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 what is in it for for the the, the MEF members. But you had mentioned um, earlier just that that it's it's getting harder and harder to do. Is that just for those privacy reasons that that you had mentioned, um, like the OEMs? Apple, for example, I, I have an iPhone. I'm sure many people listening do, and you can now ask your apps not to track. How yeah. can they get around that? How how, how are you going to sort of solve that problem then? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's sort of alternative identifiers being developed, more privacy compliance uh, identifiers, more more so than like the cookie, which I talked about, is going away. Right. Uh, you mentioned Apple, so they have their own Apple app tracking transparency thing that you have to consent to. Um, so there's different sort of identifiers to get around it. Uh, in general, we're seeing a, a sort of shift away from uh, what's called behavioral advertising, which is uh, this person bought this product, so I'm going to serve them this ad. Since, mm -hmm. since we don't really know that anymore, there's a shift towards contextual advertising, which is, okay, um, I want to sell uh, a certain, I don't know, a flower, let's say. Right. I want to sell a flower, so I'm going to put my ads on, uh, on websites where people who are interested in flowers are likely to go on. So mm -hmm. sort of like taking it backwards, right? It's mm -hmm. like you know they're gonna go there, but the only problem with that is, as I said, that they it's harder to uh, do the sort of post and analysis of it because right. you know what I mean. But it's it's a different sort of approach, basically. Um, yeah, and I, I think yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, so is this a case where where the um capabilities of the AI are really what comes into play in a sense, right? So, so if, if we're, we're pulling away from a little bit of, of an, a lack of data, then it's, it's how well the sort of software can make decisions about what to do essentially. Yeah, actually that, that's a good point. So um, it's, it's, it's funny that you mentioned AI. So one thing as well that you can do is so if you have less data, you can try to uh, build AI models based on that little sample. Mm -hmm. um, so you could there's it's called uh, lookalike modeling, and essentially you could get like a very small sample of of, a, of you know some actual identifiers some some data, and you can use AI to build out um, a, a sort of lookalike models. So people who are, might be interested in the same thing, um, so you can definitely use AI to um, you can definitely use AI to to kind of. Ex grow what you have to work if you're working with a limited amount of, mm -hmm. of data. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Excellent. All right. Well, Ross, like I said, this is this is a topic well beyond me. So let me just give the floor to you to say, is, is there anything else that you think important to touch here that I, I might have missed? Yeah, I mean, so, uh, as I said, so uh, 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 I think one thing that we can talk about is is ad fraud. Uh, right. it's, it's a huge, huge topic. Uh, there's a lot of it going on. It's some of the, you know, it's not just the smaller players, but the bigger players. So a, a lot of the inventory out there on the sort of open market is is crap, essentially. Right. Um, and when I say the open market, so the way it works with programmatic advertising is you can buy, uh, I can buy advertising space that anyone can buy. Mm. Um, and that's just like, you know, there's, there's, billions and billions of, of those sort of inventory. And then we have what's called a uh, private market inventory, which is like, it, it's uh, someone who's selling space on their ad, but they're doing it privately only to certain people. Um, so yeah, so that, that's just how, just to differentiate from that. So a lot of the stuff on the open market is really, really bad. Uh, as I said, you can apply sort of filtering like anti-fraud filtering onto your onto your campaigns to make it um to, to make them you know have less fraud essentially and also you can uh analyze the the results of your campaign as well to, to see if there was any fraud uh but anyway it's still a huge huge issue it's just growing in an issue and there's various kinds of fraud as well obviously not just like ad fraud but like phishing like right. stuff that attacks the user as well and stuff like that and i think ai is sort of a driving force behind a lot of it because you can make really, really convincing uh, fake ads and stuff like that. Um, so that that's a huge issue. Uh, so at MEF, one of the things we're doing is we have a sort of content and advertising working group, as I mentioned. So essentially, we, we meet once a month and uh, we, we discuss things that are going on in the in the advertising world. Uh, we've got some good members. We've got a lot of like MVAS players, a lot of ad guys. So we got like telecoming, uh, Golden Goose, Sam Media, and stuff like that. But uh, one of the things that we're working on is a content and advertising fraud framework document. And essentially, we just break, it's sort of a Bible that we're working on that breaks down all the, the different kinds of ad fraud that are out there. Um, so that that's ongoing. So I guess, you know, there's definitely a role for, for MEF when it comes to fraud, or, or not just MEF, but organizations similar to MEF, yeah. like the sort of education side of things. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's that's one of the one of the important aspects of of preventing fraud um but yeah what what do you think is your head spinning right now are you, are, are you kind of getting it or yeah no i th- i think or... so well that, that that's always right when i when i go back and listen uh will it will it will something click but um yeah for sure and and i think you bring up a really interesting point there which is something that is um not unique to telecom but is particularly pronounced in telecom i think is that because the whole internet, whether it's whether it's the mobile side of things or the wireline side of things, or come all, all of it together, is a network of networks. It's a whole bunch of private entities working with each other. That you know, I, I've I've seen so many reasons in this industry for folks to have to get into a room with their vendors, their competitors, the whole sort of like ecosystem to talk about how to work all of these things out and. Truthfully, this is one area that I, I never even would have thought of. I'm, I'm used to thinking about, you know, we need to talk about how to get 
our network automation to talk to each other and things like that. But I think this is really fascinating to, to deal with these kinds of like advertising fraud and figure out ways that um, that you can exchange information and strategy or whatever to, to deal with it. Does does MEF make like um, specific recommendations or is it more just like facilitate everyone getting together and then and work out kind of like best practices kind of thing? Yeah, that's a good question. So we're, we don't, you know, technically we're neutral. Uh, right. We shouldn't really have a stance. Uh, we're, we're member-led, which means that our members kind of make a decision. So they, we would all come together as a group and and uh, make recommendations. Uh, you know, we would all agree on on, a, on something and then we, we would put that out as our recommendation. So, so it's like a, a best practices or policy document, yes. something like that. Mm-hmm. So specifically for the, the telco side, we have like the SMS fraud framework, which is very similar to the, the content and advertising fraud framework, which I was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's all already on its third version. So right. check that out. That's a good, uh, a lot of people kind of use that as their, you know, fraud Bible for just identifying uh, different kinds of fraud. Um, that, that doesn't really make specific, um, recommendations. It more just, uh, you know, lays out, these are the types of fraud All the issues out there, uh, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then we have the, uh, we have a, a, what's called the trust and enterprise, uh, uh, messaging, uh, badge, which you can apply for, uh, if you're a MEF member. And essentially what that is, it's just like, it, it's sort of like, basically saying like a sort of badge that you can put on your site and say, I- I'm not participating in any sort of fraudulent messaging, uh, stuff mm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way, way it's enforced. So a number of people have signed it, uh, already. And the way it's kind of enforced, it's actually the members themselves who enforce that. Right. So if, if you're on that list and you see another messaging company that that's that, you know, not, not doing good things, then you can actually call that person out yeah. and no one has ever been removed from the, the, the thing before, mm-hmm. but, um, it would be, it would look really bad if, the, if they were removed from that. Right. Um, right, right. Th- th- that's the kind of stuff that we do. Uh, it's, it's all very democratic member led. Um, it's not me or Dario saying we have to do this. We have to do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but of course there is, as you say, the sort of facilitation of the discussion, which is a, an important part of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, and and that that sort of like um, it's it's better for all of us if this is working well, so so we can publicly shame you if if you're not. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you what do you think are like the big fraud problems uh, facing like the sort of te- telco world today? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, that's a great question. So you know, from from a from a network security um, uh, issue, you know, I think a lot of you know, it's, it's that's a little bit different of a concept, I think, from fraud, which is where, where I'm mostly focused is just on on sort of network security. But I imagine it's 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 a lot of of the same thing, which which is that right. Um, they are constantly working and the skills one needs in house at any business. Right. Um, are are difficult to come by to stay up with whatever the new methodology is. So I, th- I think that's the, the biggest issue security fraud wise is just that, um, that there's, it's hard to find folks who are skilled at the newest techniques or aware of what's going on. And so we're seeing a big shift on the, in the network space to having to kind of go to managed services providers and, and, and sort of um, more centralized uh, economies of scale of, of dealing with that. I, wonder if it's the same there where the, are the, the, the sort of 
advertising fraudsters are constantly innovating in a way that's hard to keep up with. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And just, I mean, in, in all fraud types, I mean, yeah. it's some of the smartest guys in the world. <laughs> that is the great tragedy fraud. of it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And we just yeah. have to be, and, and it's, it's sort of a, a whack-a-mole element to it as right. well. You know what I mean? Like if you, you get one type of fraud, um, then another one will pop up. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. That, that it's like, it's not just about the, the techniques themselves. It's about how to apply whatever security and anti-fraud techniques you have to whatever it is that, that they're sort of um, coming up with at the moment. And, and that just takes someone being like aware of that community being on, but there's yeah. very few people out there that do that. So I, I think that that ends up being a really big struggle for, for most companies on, on how to get to those people and, and, uh, and, and use that knowledge that, that they lack in house, you know? Yeah. And, and from the messaging side, cause as I said, like a lot of our members are messaging players, uh, artificial inflation of traffic is the big one that mm-hmm. always gets mm-hmm. talked about a lot. Are, are you, do, do you, do you guys do much SMS stuff or we don't, than- but yeah. So yeah. I, I imagine this is, is, um, uh, not totally unrelated to maybe something like DDoS where you just are using bots to make lots of traffic. Is that basically it? Um, it, it's sort of like fake, fake traffic, uh, mm-hmm. where you, um, you basically demand more and more like one-time passwords and stuff like that. Oh, um, I see. I see. Yeah. So you have, they, they have to buy a bunch of, uh, SMS from you. Uh, and then th- there's called smishing, which is where you basically you have like a receipt that says, "Oh, we delivered this many SMSs," and some of them you actually didn't deliver at all. Right. Uh, so combined, those two things are very deadly, as you can imagine. Like yeah. it's sort of like taking both sides. So that's a big one that gets talked about a lot from mm-hmm. the messaging side. Um, but yeah, there's there's a bunch in digital. I think digital advertising uh, is probably in a worse state of fraud right now than the telco side of things. I think telco, there's always stuff going on. There's always going to be stuff going on, but they're starting to, or, you know, it, I think it's a more mature, a mature, mature market, you know? Right. And that makes sense. Yeah. Had longer times to think about these and identify the, the threat actors and, and their methods and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, programmatic is, is quite new. And, and I think that's why it's such a, an interesting, area for me personally is because there's always just i we could have this podcast again in in a month's time and right so many things could have changed um so it's very exciting for that reason well, but i mean that, that that cues me up for for um my my last kind of uh, question that i had in mind here which was um so i i think we we got a good picture of like where this came from how it's changed with some of these privacy rule changes and 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 maybe the end of cookies and that sort of thing what does it look like a few months, a few years from now, um, what is going to be new and interesting? Um, I think both. I'm I'm kind of interested in this case from the consumer standpoint as well as yeah. as for for the mobile providers. You know, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I guess uh, as you know, like from the content side of things. So, as a consumer, short form content is getting more and more popular, as mm. you as you probably know. Mm. So the likes yeah. of TikTok. And then what's called like ephemeral content, so like stories, stuff that disappears. So I think we're going to see more uh, ads specifically targeting, sort of working within that, within those confines. Um, And then I think we're going to see more uh, elaborate kind of ad formats. So I mentioned display and video, which are your basic ones. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think there's sort of... um, 
a growing a growing um desire from from the market is for like a more premium form of inventory ah, so yeah, that makes I, mentioned, sense. I mentioned sort of ctv right. which is uh it's called C- connected tv but it, it's basically what you see on netflix and stuff like that so it, it it's pretty much just on your smart uh your smart tv mm-hmm. uh, and that's really really expensive at the moment so right. like depending on who you're buying for it can be like uh 30 to 35 dollars cpm so like you serve a thousand ads and you get you pay like 30 35 dollars mm-hmm. which is absolutely huge for programmatic right. advertising as i said the cpm for a display is like on average depends but 0.75 cents you know wow so um, exponential so, there, yeah uh, it, it, the, the reason it's so high is because a lot of advertisers really want it like right especially like entertainment advertisers who have like the new TV show that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also there's just that the inventory is just not there yet. It's still rel- relatively new. So there's not enough to go around basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, you know, you probably saw that Netflix are really pushing ads. Right. Uh, so the, I think they're, they're getting rid of their cheapest tier where you, you pay the cheapest amount and they're replacing it with like an ad supported tier and stuff like that. Right. Um, and essentially, that they're making a lot of money from ads right now. Like they've right. they've had a huge, huge profit. Uh, so the CPM for like some of the Netflix ads, it was going for like sixty dollars CPM wow. mm-hmm. uh, at, at one at one point, which is just absolutely absurd. Um, so I think we're definitely going to see more of that. Just uh, I, I think hopefully it will be more normal and, and less of like kind of a a really expensive luxury, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely like a growing desire, I think, for other ad formats, and as well that. Um, so like, th- there's other types of ad formats, like sort of interactive ones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're gonna see like more sort of gamification in advertising. Like, um, yeah. so we 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 I used to work with uh, we worked with this company called Undertone, and as I they're like a they they have inventory, they have like premium ad inventory and it was like really cool stuff so like stuff that like goes all over like it's on your screen like covers the whole screen and stuff where it's like interactive and stuff like that um and so as as i said they're a private private market not open market they're only selling to to specific people um but i think we're going to be seeing more of that just every day and besides that we talked about lack of first party data people are going to try and come up with ways to get around that right and we're going to see obviously more regulatory action against facebooks and stuff like that uh against you know where they make their money basically which is Mm -hmm. which from advertising and um yeah i I think as well with just kind of bringing back to the telco thing you know with the outrolling of 5g i think 5g will sort of help that sort of premium ad inventory mm-hmm. get out there you know what right. i mean if you get better connections you can show higher quality video you can show more interesting ads and stuff like that especially so, two-way traffic i would think you know it seems like uh correct me if i'm wrong here but the the, the ultimate goal of of advertising in that sense would to have you not fully realize you're being advertised to in a sense, mm-hmm. right? You know exactly. what I mean? So, and and if that requires like you know sort of two way traffic, five G can be much better for that. You know what I mean? So, um, and exactly, and, and, I, yeah. Like as you said, like making you not realizing you're being advertised to. Like I think mobile app developers can can sort of keep programmatic advertising in in consideration when they're actually developing the apps and right. come up with mm-hmm. more creative ways to to serve those ads to you than just your bog standard, you know, and, and make it a, a little bit like maybe, you know, obviously they have like stuff like reward videos where, um, 
like if you if you get something done in a, in an app, then they'll just play an ad or something like right, that. So right. I think you'll see more creative uses from from the actual beginning of the you know the the inception of a mobile app. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so you have to have kind of a more holistic view. Yeah, right. So so weaving this into the the app design the software itself that's that i mean this is really fascinating it's again both both as kind of like an analyst of the industry and as just someone who gets advertised to right so, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. excellent yeah well th- this was really interesting for me uh thanks very much for for doing this um i yeah, think uh, it sense to everyone watching i hope uh, yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> well well in, on that note um if it doesn't uh is, is there a way they can sort of uh, uh keep up with you and and find you at meth Absolutely. So Ross at uh, Ross at mobileecosystemforum.com uh, is my is my email. Reach out or just reach out on our website and uh, mobileecosystemforum.com. Obviously, reach out if you're interested in membership. If you if you like the sound of any of the event, uh, you know stuff that we're doing, uh, we have an event coming up in January 10th uh, in Sam Media's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, kindly so that's going to be focused very heavily on content and advertising that's going to be in Kuala Lumpur uh, but we'll have other stuff uh, you know uh, uh, throughout the year so let, let me know if you're interested in that uh, we'd love to have people come along and uh, I was going to say something else but uh, I forget so it's probably fine hopefully it's not important <laughs> that well you know if you think of it tell me I'll put it in the show notes so. <laughs> yeah no problem, no problem. but yeah no it was really great talking to you I mean I think in general it, it doesn't hurt to have a more holistic view of everything and you can definitely it, it, it was an interesting challenge for me to kind of like think of why programmatic advertising is is relevant to telcos but there, there is a bunch of reasons yeah no exactly I, I i you know i thought this topic was fascinating just from from the very introduction of it of thinking about again we always think about the network itself but the network is only there to serve the the companies and the users that that need the network to 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 connect them right so this is i think a key way that uh that that is happening so that's that's what makes the network necessary right so exactly. i think it's a fascinating view into that so ross thank you so much for joining me Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, cheers.